0: and definitely check out those shows as well. Minel Lele is the author of The Baby and the Biome, How the Tiny World Inside Your Child Holds the Secret to Their Health. This is a revolutionary look at immune disease and what one parent has learned to reverse it. She designed, ran and published multiple large clinical studies across orthopedics, vascular medicine and allergy. She has an engineering and business degree from the University of Pennsylvania and is the power and is the founder of Little Mixins, an allergy prevention company. As a food allergy and asthma parent, she is committed to bringing an end to the immune diseases that plague 80 million Americans. Welcome, Meenal. Thank you so much for coming on Mom's Don't Have Time to Read Books to Discuss. The Baby and the Biome, How the Tiny World Inside Your Child Holds the Secret to Their Health. Thank
3: you so much for having me. It's really cool to be here.
0: I showed this book to my nine-year-old daughter and she was like, what's the secret? What, like, what is it? <laughs> so I'm here to find out.
3: <laughs> yeah. I mean, the secret in, in in a nutshell is that your microbiome, so this is, it's. I, I think of it the way two hundred years ago, two hundred years ago, basically, we didn't know about germs, right. And so we thought that they, like we thought that it was we had to explain why we were getting all these diseases, and we said, well, it must be you know God smiting us or something. And that was the only explanation because we couldn't see that layer of it. And we've actually known about our microbiome for a long time because as long as we've been able to see the bacteria, right? We know it's there. But the thing that we didn't understand is how much it actually controls our body functions and that was a big difference right because we've talked forever and if you every time you hear about a new disease everyone's chasing after all these genetic causes they're like oh well we found this gene and that gene and this gene and the truth is that like genes obviously have a have a role to play in everything right it to some extent creates your predisposition to things your susceptibility to things but it's actually a smaller part of the story than the environmental influences that are around you and the way those environmental influences affect you like you are you right so why does why does a gust of air pollution affect you and not somebody else is actually is because of the way it shifts your the microbes that live on you right and the simplest it's a really simple example because we see it very very clearly and the reason to worry about it with babies is cuz babies generally speaking, should be born with basically the same microbiomes, right? They're in the womb, nothing's touching them, (laughs) nothing's influencing them. And so they should come out like, you know, basically about the same. And then from there, you start to see this divergence. And when you follow that divergence, that's where you really start to see the differences in rates of chronic diseases and things like this. And why this is so important and the whole crux of the, the book is that, It's actually, because the baby is so small, because there's so few influences on the baby and everything's in that early stage, that's your best chance to kind of nudge things back onto the right course, right? So to have your golf balls flying onto the, you know, the other, the other ones, you want it back on your own fairway. And...
0: Have you been watching me play golf?
3: (laughs) (laughs) No, no judgment. (laughs) Okay, fine. And, um, you know, and, and you can kind of keep things moving along And there, and for a lot of us, there's there's actually this window. Like, I I think the easiest way for me to always think about it is we've kind of understood that these early life influences can really set up a baby's brain. Right? We think about the traumas a baby could have, or a a toddler, or things like this, and we sort of understand how zero to three, almost eighty percent of the baby's brain is set up. Eighty percent of your neurons are laid down, and your decisions are being made about like how you think about the world, how you model it, and so how we care for children zero to three for their brains really projects their trajectory for the rest of their life, right? But your immune system is really, really similar. It's a second brain and your immune system is largely controlled by this microbiome. So how we treat it in the first three years kind of decides, are you going to be a sickly person for the rest of your life? Or are you going to be a relatively resilient and healthy person for the rest of your life, right? And it's, you know, of course, just like with brain, right? It doesn't mean nothing matters after three. It just means that, there's so much we can do to increase the odds that our children are healthy. And I, uh, you know, I'll, I'll let you get another question, but a statistic people don't really know. Keep, keep going. This is great. You're like giving a lecture.
0: You didn't know, but you're like on the lecture <laughs> circuit this morning. Welcome. Yeah.
3: <laughs> Thank you. 50% of babies today. Like if you have a baby today, and I give this example, you know, with my son who's born at Pennsylvania Hospital, it's, a, you know, and we talk about it in the book. By the time The 50% of those babies born at Pennsylvania hospital hit college, 50% of them will have a chronic immune illness. And that's how bad it's gotten, right? Like 50% of us will end up with something chronic, like allergies, like food allergies, eczema, um, you know, lupus, Hashimoto's thyroiditis, ADHD, autism. These are all now understood better and better to be immune diseases, even, you know, type one diabetes is an autoimmune disease, a different kind of immune disease. And they're now even calling um, dementia and Alzheimer's, almost like type three diabetes, where, you know, so it's all the same immune system damaging itself. And we can, we can do a lot to stop it. And the the best part about this is that it's not like, oh, if only we move to Mars, then we can stop this. For so many You know, um, I'll give the example of there's a particular probiotic, right? It's called L rhamnosus And when moms take it, their third trimester through breastfeeding, right? Because the end result, why do we take L rhamnosus Is because we want a healthy, solid amount of bifidobacteria, actually. And the L rhamnosus really helps the bifidobacteria grow. We want a really healthy amount of bifidobacteria in a baby's gut at six months old. That cuts their risk of eczema for the rest of their life. By
0: 50%. So if I have a child with eczema, which I may or may not, let's just throw that out there.
3: Yeah. You may or may not be a good golfer. You may or may not. Did (laughs) I, is it because of
0: something I didn't take when I was pregnant and now I've doomed the child forever?
3: See, that's a really defeatist way to think about it in my opinion, right? Because... (laughs) I always find the the
0: defeatist, most
3: self-punishing interpretation of everything. I think it's hard not to think of it that way. Look, I have a kid who has... 10 different food allergies. He's got asthma. He's got eczema. And the truth is, did choices I make inadvertently increase his risk of all of these things? Yes. Is that my fault because I didn't even know that that was a thing? No. You know, like it can both, I guess, it can both be my fault and I'm also not to blame. Like both of those things can be true at the same time. And I think the more important thing is, okay. Like I guess I'm an eternal optimist, and the way I look at it is that happened. But then I have a younger son who, because I went, you know, crazy thinking about this stuff before, the younger son had these. He has nothing, right? So even in a span of 18 months, we were able to change little little things that helped another person be really really healthy. And the the way I look at it is now we have this information. We know there are little things we can do to reduce the risk of eczema. The way we care for baby skin how many courses of antibiotics we choose to use. We can use early allergen introduction, which is 98% protective against peanut allergy, for example, right? Really simple intervention. There are choices we can make now that we have this to reduce our child's risk. So I don't know, you know, it's like in the 70s, parents did all sorts of crazy things that they didn't know any better. And I mean, what are we supposed to do? Like sit around blaming them, you know? That's not helpful. And so I don't, I don't think of it that way. But I do think, I, I tend to think more, hey, wow, this is cool that this is in my control. I don't have to just sit there wondering if my child will get sick. Like, I can do something to reduce that risk.
0: Okay. So two questions. One is what are the main couple things that like a pregnant person now or somebody who's contemplating kids or their grandkids about to be born whatever, what are mm-hmm. the main things that maybe they didn't know was like equivalent to the smoke smoking in the seventies or something? Yeah. And then once you have, once you've been set, once kids are set on a certain path, is there anything we can do to change it? Or if those 50% of kids at, you know, University of Pennsylvania Hospital, is that it? Like, can there be a course correction or not? When is it
3: too late? Okay. So to answer your first question, what is the most important thing? And if I had to pick one most important thing in pregnancy, unfortunately, I would say it's worrying about your diet. It's worrying about your diet because your gut, your your diet will influence the state of your gut and your vaginal microbiome, which will be a hundred percent of the input to how your baby is seeded. What's their starter set of bacteria, right? So I think the most important thing you can do in your pregnancy is limit, you know, limit the negative influences on a microbiome. Like we talk about, you know, smoking, air pollution, but honestly, because a lot of it, 80% of our immune system and 80% of that sits in our gut. It's the high sugar, the processed foods, everything that deteriorates our gut microbes. And, and I, you know, I think smoking is a good example, because in some sense, people have always known on some intuitive level, like, hey, it's probably not, doesn't seem great to throw tar in my lungs, but I'm not sure that that's what's causing lung cancer, right? And no one has ever said, like, I'm 100% sure pizza is a great food, and that's just as good for me as a spitted salad, right? Like, no one thinks that. But we didn't really have the causal connection to say, why is it that pizza or, like, some other food when it's a huge part of our diet causes us to be so sick. And now we can actually show how the processed foods, how the high sugar foods disturb our gut and how they lead to these things. So I think that's the most important thing you can do in pregnancy that you have at your disposal. And then there's a bunch of more stuff, you know, we talk about in the book. And then you've asked the really second, the second most important question is like, what can we do? Right. And I have a lot of hope for the future, because you can't solve a problem until you understand the root cause of how it happened. And now that this science exists over the last 10, 15 years that shows how these microbes and things, you know, disrupt it, there are a lot of therapies in development right now that use that and try and shift it to to modulate, you know, the immune system to basically course correct. Like everything, right? It's like. A little bit of trauma, of emotional trauma when you're little could take 10 years of psychotherapy to undo, but we can get to a healthy place. And unfortunately, that's sort of still the ratio we're looking at. Like, it's not like you can get to 20 and then say, cool, I'll take this, you know, six month course of Accutane and like be done with it. You know, it doesn't, it doesn't work like that for a lot of these diseases, at least not today. And obviously people will keep pushing for better and better treatments, but because we can't have 50% of the world be really sick. But, uh, today there's no good answer. And, and even until you get to the treatment, you know, why, why go through the 20 years, 30 years, whatever it is of, of that, if you don't have to.
0: Awesome. Okay. I'm going to stay optimistic with all of this. (laughs) Tell me about the business you also founded based on allergies, food
3: allergies, and all of that. Sure. You know, this, the, the business, so I'm, I'm an engineer. Uh, I talk about this by training and this is sort of my bent on the world, which is a little bit why I'm optimistic. Cause I'm like, everything's solvable. We just, we just have to get the right formulas and we're going to fix it. (laughs) And, but when I, when I heard about early allergen introduction, and again, that was a really visceral one, right? Because I have a son who can't, there's 10 different foods he can't eat, which means we basically like, he can't eat at restaurants. We can't, you know, it's, and it's a thing because you eat three times a day. And with my younger son, because we, All the science came out, unfortunately, like right after my kid got sick. (laughs) And so, so with the younger son, we were like, great, we'll do this. And it was just an insane amount of work. And I thought this is so stupid because why something that's so effective, right? If we, anything else in society, if you said something, hey, this is 98% protective against a lifelong disease that has no treatment, we wouldn't be like, good luck to you. Hope you figure out how to do it. You know? And this is one where we, we just decided, like, that's what the doctors decided to do. It's just like, good luck to you, parents. We have this information. We may or may not even tell you about it, but um, you you could treat it. it's you, you know, you have a 98% chance of fixing it if you figure it out on your own. And I thought, that's insane. So this is just a manufacturing challenge. And so we went and created a line of products, basically, that make it really, really simple. And so it just concentrates all these proteins into inexpensive, especially like with the price of eggs today, right? You can get six months worth of exactly the infant safe, correctly prepared eggs, everything you need, for like 30 bucks. And that way if a parent doesn't have to pay a lot and they don't have to it doesn't have to take up 30 minutes of effort a day. They're much more likely to do it. Right. And so that was I figured we could solve those problems. And that's really where a little mixins has come in. And you know, we're excited that the the market response has been good because, you know, again, everyone wants if somebody can take the work out and make it inexpensive, that's a good thing for everybody.
1: Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices
0: dot com slash moms don't have time so it's for kids like what ages when do you start who needs to know about this product
3: sure so it, when, you know, every baby every baby who is between basically four and six months old so as soon as they start solid foods should be regularly so every, roughly every week twice a week should be introducing or should be feeding two grams of peanut protein of well-cooked egg protein of you know, a bunch of different nut proteins into the baby's diet. And so, you know, one of the ones we make is basically like, here's a packet a day. You give the baby a food every single day. And so it just, it just throws into whatever food or milk or whatever they're eating. You don't have to think about it like any other additive uh, or any other you know supplement or something that you're giving them. And that's it. You do this for six months and then that's it. That's the window in which the immune system decides whether or not to have food allergies. And so if, What you're doing is basically training tolerance. By feeding the baby these proteins in this exact window, their body, in the same way our body develops antibodies to, like, trigger a reaction to a food, our body also develops what are called T cells that that tell the body, like, stay cool. We we like this thing.
0: (laughs) That's amazing that that exists. I'm sad it didn't exist when all my kids were really little. Um, Yeah. We also have kids with food allergies, and it's... It's no fun, but many parents do, so no. we know how this goes. Yes.
3: Hey, you know, we're on the same team. It's all right. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so it's not possible that a kid is just born like they're definitely going to have I know the sound's so stupid. That from the time they're born, we know they're going to have the food allergies. I know there's the genetic disposition that they may develop it and some might be more yeah. or less likely, but
3: You can still start. Pretty much no. Yeah. Okay. All right. (laughs) So pretty much no. I know it's not because it's just not, I think the core of it and people, it's just annoying because so many doctors are like still say like, wow, it's genetic, you know, which just makes no sense. You can't have a genetic disorder that didn't exist 40 years, like basically didn't exist 40 years ago. Like what happened to our genetics? Like we didn't all go through Chernobyl, you know? So something had to have crazily changed our genetics if that were true. So it's, it's, you can have kids that are very high risk. And kids that are very low risk, you know, but it's all about those influences. And the, the key is that the food allergy is not modulated by something that our genetics do. It's modulated by the adaptive part of our immune system, right? So we have an innate part of our immune system. If you think about the stuff that's like the structures that are there from the beginning, that's really um, genetic. Then the adaptive part of your immune system that actually learns, like every new virus you get, you get new antibodies to deal with that virus. That's your body adapting to it, right? So it's the adaptive part of our immune system that determines if we have food allergies or not. And so the adaptive part is not based on genetics. It's adapted because it's doing it after you're born.
0: So when you did this deep dive and tried to figure out how to prevent your next son from having the allergies and you went back, what were the things that you were like, oh, this is why my
3: son has allergies to 10 different foods? So the biggest things again are like I, I talk about this in the book. Like when my son was my older son was little, you know, he had all the things they talk about. Usually, they're like, "Well, the highest risk is like um, you know, C-section birth, not breastfeeding," and those two things do increase your risk, right? But nothing's ever like a if this, then you definitely have allergies. But we had a, I had a perfectly healthy pregnancy. I eat great. I I've always been a bit of a health nut. The uh, you know vaginal birth, like nothing was wrong. So he should have been on, and we breastfed everything should have been great. I think the biggest thing that happened actually is my, I think, and this is, there's no way to prove this, is my son sort of started to develop cradle cap. Mm -hmm. And instead of, we didn't know at the time that it's basically a fungus. And so with my younger son, when he got it, we basically just used some dandruff shampoo and it went away and that was it. But with the older son, he, he scratched at it until it, until it basically got infected. And then he went on this course of antibiotics. And, for, I'm, and again, this is, I can't prove that this is true. I don't know that it's true. It just, right from there, if things just like started to like snowball, it was, and because I think it was right at that age, like suddenly he was on these antibiotics. The antibiotics suddenly turned into way worse eczema flares. Right after the eczema flare started developing was around six months and we started introducing, you know, solid foods, but were avoiding the allergens. He started developing the food allergies. And then, and like his immune system was clearly just like, you know, like just one thing after another going more and more whack. Cause like one course of antibiotics leads to a more trigger happy immune system. That's not a scientific term that then maybe causes you to have another course of antibiotics, you know? And every time you're doing that, you're just sort of like, unfortunately often wiping out all the good bacteria just as well as wiping out the infections. So that's what I think happened, but like I said, that's, that just could be nonsense. I made up.
0: Wow. (laughs) Fascinating. I'm like literally going back in my head. What did I do wrong? But it's okay. okay.
3: I know. I know. I I feel like a lot of people have that reaction when they read this book. It's, I, I will say that the number of like emails I've gotten from people who have reached out and said, like, the thing that's most gratifying for me is when the people, even kids whose kids are sick, but they're looking back and being like, I knew that there was like, a holistic explanation to this. Like doctors yeah. kept saying yes. to me, like, this is, it was unpredictable. It was unknowable. Yes. It was, un you know, it's all random. And yet I could feel in my bones that these things are all connected. Yeah. And now I see it and I feel so much more sane. Like I can't change it now, but like it makes it all make sense.
0: Yes. No, there is like some closure to those open questions, which mm-hmm. I also appreciate. Thank you. Okay. So you did all this research, you started your business and then in the middle of all of it, you also wrote this book. So how did that fall into everything? And when did you know this was a book and tell me about that piece
3: of it? Uh, I think, I don't remember if I talk about this in the book itself, but so I have, um, I have a friend who she is a, a bunch of my friends from college went on to do PhDs. It's a running joke that like, they're all like my six girlfriends, they're all doctors of different kinds. And it's just me with like my bachelor's degree. And you're, just, you're, a slacker. you're just a slacker such a slacker. Yeah. When I email them to like hang out, yeah. I'm like, dear doctors. <laughs> but one of them, she, you know, she's written a few books. She's like a professor of art history and stuff. And so she was like, you have all this stuff in your head. We were chatting one day, and she's like, you know, you have all this stuff in your head. You should just like write it down into a book. And I'm such a you know math and science person that I was like, that is what are you talking about? You know, like no. <laughs> and, and then she's like, well, you know, she's like worst case scenario, just write it down and then you'll have it, you know? And really what happened is the pandemic happened. And I found myself suddenly with like a whole lot of free time. And so I gave myself one month, four hours a day. And I said, just like, right for four hours a day for one month and like, see what comes out of it. And again, I've been thinking about the stuff I've been researching and talking to doctors and stuff for years at this point. Right. So it just sort of like flooded out of my brain into a, into a manuscript. And I was so lucky that, you know, this lovely team of folks then decided to help me, you know, turn it into something that wasn't quite so science-y sounding and make it into something that was more readable and um, approachable.
0: And now with it out, um, you, you had already mentioned all the emails that you're getting,
3: like, what is the most satisfying piece of this for you? I think it's that, you know, it's, it's like the little, it's the little things like someone who emailed and said, you know, forever, I couldn't convince my husband to do anything about our, our daughter's eczema. But, you know, after reading this, he's like, oh, okay, there's a root cause. Like now he's willing to try. And it doesn't mean that diet modification is definitely going to be the thing that fixes it, but he's like willing to try and search for a deeper fix. And, you know, and, Later, they said their kids had, their kid had gotten a lot better, right? This is a child who was getting sent home from daycare because they were scratching at their skin so much that it would bleed off, bleed on the toys, you know? And now this kid is okay. And like these, I mean, I don't know what else can we do in life other than try and like make a few other people's lives a little bit better.
0: Yeah. Well, this is not just a few other people. I mean, eczema and all these things, (laughs) these are so pervasive and... (laughs) Really affect your quality of life. You know, it's yes. you have to itch all the time. I mean, it's the worst. So, wow, really awesome. So, what are you going to do next?
3: You know, we <laughs> have a lot of things in the pipeline that we're working on. You know, f- for me, the biggest things are expanding access to this information. Right again, I, you know, I kind of come back to it from my engineer's perspective and saying, like, look, there's a we're all party to a system. Like these things are never a single thing happens. It's always like a system shifts. And so in that same way, how do you fix the whole system? And I think that that comes down to there's there's a lot that we can do systemically to improve childhood nutrition, access to early allergen introduction, and these proteins potentially improve. I mean, one of the things we were able to do was actually put together just in the last few months is put together a a scientific paper around l Ramnosis and get that published in the American Journal of Clinical Dermatology. So there's a lot of education we have to do of physicians, actually, of primary care physicians, and then, and then creating access. I think, like, we're never going to solve when Cheetos are cheaper than carrots, people are going to eat Cheetos and not carrots. And we need to be able to find a way to incorporate the externality cost of the Cheetos. Mm-hmm. I like Cheetos, for the record. I'm not saying you can never eat Cheetos; they're delicious. But <laughs> I also like yours. Um,
0: I, I could take or leave Cheetos, but <laughs> externality cost brings me back to business school, and I'm like, having, yes, you know, flashbacks with these terms. Yeah, so but, anyway, but that's go ahead.
3: it, right? Like we need to we need to incorporate. So sorry, I also have an, you know, I also have a business an undergraduate <laughs> business degree, so you have to incorporate that cost into it, right? And and yes. find a way. But that's. It's interesting, like there's a lot of lawmakers that we've been educating. And when they see it that way, like, okay, but if I keep this carrot really expensive, yep. or I don't put it into the WIC package or I don't do X, like, but then what i'm I'm paying on the back end, right? Mm-hmm. And today, healthcare is, I believe it's sixteen percent of our GDP, and it's just growing massively every single year. right? There will be a time not too long from now where half of every dollar, if not more, will just go into like, treating illnesses we created by being, you know, penny wise, pound foolish. And I think that's, that's the bigger picture.
0: Wow. Changing the world, basically.
3: Very discreet ways at a time. I
0: love it. No, it's So last tiny question for the treatment of eczema, what do you recommend as a mom of an eczema? You know, what, what, what is your go-to for anyone with eczema? Not that you're a doctor in this area. I'm just asking. Yeah. yeah, You know,
3: I, I mean, Okay. So with anything, right? So eczema is an allergic disease. So what that tells you is that a form of an allergy is causing a flare. So step one is try and calm the flare down. That's, you know, use your steroids, use your creams, um, things like that. But if you do not pull out the allergic trigger, you will just keep flaring. So the truth is, you know, what we did, for example, and I recommend this to a lot of people is try for two weeks, because it only takes two weeks, try a really hardcore elimination diet, like anything in the person's diet that you think could be triggering their food or triggering their eczema, pull it out. And if two weeks later, nothing's better then you know, it's not food. But if it, if it did get a lot better, which is also a good case scenario, then one at a time, every three days, you just add back in a food until you figure out what's the foods that are triggering the eczema flares. And again, it might not be food. Same thing, like try the foods first. If that helps, great. Then you just kind of go scorched earth on like chemicals in your house, the soaps, everything, like try and get rid of all of it again for two weeks. If it gets better, great. And one at a time, go back to that detergent, go back to the whatever, go back to the whatever until you figure out what the triggers are. But if you don't find the triggers, you're never going to calm that eczema down. Okay.
0: This has been so fascinating for me. I (laughs) am going to dive deep into this book and find all sorts of great, helpful things and just like stew in my past mistakes <laughs> and uh, what I can do in the future. That wasn't the point. I know, I know. <laughs> no but, stewing. You know, I mean, when you find people with anxiety, yeah, that's yeah. what they're going to yes. do. So anyway, it's yes, fine. It's enough. fine. But I like doing that. It's fine. It's very familiar okay. feeling. So I'm excited <laughs> when I get those opportunities and discrete packages. Appreciate it. Okay. Last thing,
3: any advice for someone else trying to write a book? Oh, I mean, I think you take the advice of my friend is just like, just sit down and do it. Right. Cause you just don't know. And you might get to the end and be like, yeah, this is garbage. And, or, but like the worst case scenario, I, I just, I'm a big believer in like just do it. Cause the worst thing that happened is like you spent us a discrete amount of your time doing it and then it's done. And maybe something great happens. Maybe it doesn't, but at least try. Okay.
0: All right. Thank you so much. This has been really fun for me, at least. Yeah. Oh, thanks. <laughs> and for me, thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Thanks for it. coming on. The baby and the biome, a must give to anybody. As soon as they tell you that they're having a baby, this is like the go-to gift. You have to do this. They have to read this. Done. No, thank you. Okay. All right. Bye. Take care. Take care. Bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books.